Hey there, folks. Just Worthy Fat Kev Smith. Before we start casting the pods, man, let me try to sell you something first, okay? Do you like me? Do you like my friends Jason Muse, uh, Ralph Garman? Then guess what? We're coming to a town near you, man. We're coming your way, man. Come see a Smod Co. show. Tickets at csmod.com. That's S-E-E-S-M-O-D.com. Now, if you can't come to one of our shows, you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to support this two-bit operation? Well, how about you kick back in your home with some family and friends and loved ones and play monopoly jay and silent bob strike back monopoly that's right man you can buy from jay and silent bob.com the home of the secret stash right there online a signed edition of uh jay and silent bob strike back monopoly me and muse sign it man jason muse jay himself me silent bob uh and the parts are real fun man they got a little cock knocker a little fist a little uh a little suzanne a little blunt mobile it's crazy man get your hands on it you get drunk get stoned and play around of jay and silent bob strike back monopoly available signed by me and jason muse at jay and silent bob.com now here comes your Smodco podcast. Brain Trust, hello. Hope you all are well. Another big week in, this time, international affairs, but ones that affect the United States, with the Iranian nuclear agreement finally being reached, despite several deadlines and a bunch of skepticism. And the deal's been reached, and there's still a bunch of skepticism. And it's confusing. And the deal's not really published fully yet, and so I'm, I was unable to review all the specific details of it and therefore don't want to give you guys my opinion on it without fully having my opinion formed on it just yet because obviously that would be a stupid thing to do and I try to avoid doing that usually so um, next week will be a podcast that I will do from Las Vegas where I'll be headlining the uh, Harrah's Hotel and Casino the improv there for six nights uh, July 21st through 26th and I'll be at the Pemberton Music Festival in Canada this Saturday night, uh, July 17th. Uh, but next week will be a full news podcast. And in the meantime, stay up to date with the tweets and with the Periscope broadcast I'll be doing along the way, along the journey as I always do, and the Instagram posts and Instagram videos and whatnot and all that business. And still watch Idiot Test every Wednesday at 10, 9 central, two back-to-back episodes uh, every single week. So, y'all got that, and then, as if that weren't enough, I got an LWOTR for y'all right now, a last week on the road, and it's a good one, I've been saving up for the right moment, and uh, when I was back in Israel in November, uh, I was talking with my uncle, Shmulek Brenner, Shmuel Brenner, who used to be very high up in the Israeli government, and in 1995 in the Oslo Peace Accords, he was the head of the Israeli government's subcommittee on the environment on environmental issues in those accords between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And um, he also is one of the co-founders and former head of the uh, Environmental Institute at Tel Aviv University. A very, very brilliant guy with some very interesting things to say. So he gave me... Red light camera reported ahead. Yes, thank you. Could you say that louder next time? He gave me some really... uh, As he was giving me a ride to the airport on the end of my Israel trip back in November... We chatted about the environment and about the Oslo Peace Accords and about what it's like to negotiate with religious zealots and with people who are very hard to negotiate with and with your enemies and the importance of talking. And let me say Matthew McConaughey comes up a couple times, okay? So we got that as well for all of you, Matthew McConaughey and or Lincoln or whatever, Chrysler, whatever car he does. He's very contemplative in the car. It's all covered. And so here's that discussion. It's not quite exactly on topic of... Iran and the U.S. and Israel, but it is on the topic of the Middle East and 
Of course, Iran is is a huge threat to Israel, as are the Palestinians. Um, and I thought it would just be a good piece of perspective of just what it's like to live in that part of the world, to try to negotiate with people in that part of the world, and what it's like from the inside of a peace process like that. In 1,000 okay. feet, turn okay. right. Okay, obviously I'm driving somewhere, you guys have figured it out, because of the very insistent voice of this very insistent lady. And I don't need it, and no one needs it. Uh, especially not you. You're not even driving anywhere. You don't need to know the directions of somewhere you're not going. But here's where you are going. To listen right now to this cool 35-minute or so conversation with my uncle um, on the way to the airport, discussing things you don't normally talk about on the way to the airport. So hopefully you enjoy that. And uh, hashtag be Gleebers for life, so keep that real, keep it Keep it interesting, keep it honest. The glee of extraordinary gentlemen is going strong, pushing strong, pulling strong. Um, and uh, just keep in mind, keep the Gleep Squad alive in all of you, if you can, if you have the room, if you have the time. Uh, without further ado, this last week on the road with my uncle on the way to the airport in the Middle East, in the nation of Israel. On the road again, going places that I've never been. Seeing things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again Thanks for the ride to the I, airport, I hope you'll be, I, I, Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, but I hope I'll be coherent, but I'm, uh, because of my English and the accent... And, and, and I think you're very coherent. And I speak while I'm, I'm, the, while I'm driving, so it's not so... Uh, so, so uh, polished. I think it's very polished. Oh, well, okay, thank you. <laughs> so, so do you think that it's too late for the environment globally, or can we reverse these bad trends that we've started? Well, I think uh, we have uh, severe uh, problems uh, in front of us, but I don't think we can say that we lost all hope. Uh, the main uh, principle behind uh, what we call sustainable development is that we agree that we cannot go back and we have to uh, see the development in front of us as something which is a reality. Uh, nobody will uh, uh, stop using their uh, internet or using their cellular telephones. Uh, we cannot go back to the time where People uh, lived on the trees and used donkeys for transportation. <laughs> but do you think we'll ever, as a planet, be able to get off of fossil fuels? Oh, uh, yeah, but I think uh, we, we, uh, first uh, we have to understand that uh, we still have uh, fossil fuels for many years to come. And uh, on the other hand, we do have uh, sustain sustainable alternatives. For example, like uh, solar energy and and Economics uh, play a major uh, input in the decision uh, when to stop or to uh, reduce the use of uh, fossil fuels and uh, go uh, full force with uh, solar energy and other uh, renewable sources. Um, right now, for example, uh, there is a a way to uh, get uh, large quantities of uh, petroleum from uh, uh, other sources than, you know, to go to those uh, different countries in the Middle East. That, uh, like, like the tar sands in Canada yeah, or whatever. Yeah, or, 
all, the, all those kinds of uh, coal plants uh, and in, in Canada, in the United States, now uh, supply large quantities of petroleum. But this is maybe only for the, for the near future. Uh, you know that the, the, the main idea again about sustainable uh, development is uh, to think about future generations uh, regarding the use of the current resources to preserve some for future generations. And the question is how many years ahead of us we have to think of because uh, if you back, let's say, 100 years ago and think about the problems that existed in those days, uh, sometimes uh, when we know the technologies of today, um, we laugh at certain wars. On the other hand, uh, certain wars uh, had really be overcome like a medicine uh, in order to survive and therefore mm-hmm. I believe that the population ahead of us uh, in 50 years, 100 years ahead of us uh, will know uh, better solutions than uh, what we think about today. Right, that's and true. Therefore the situation is not so grave and uh, we have to be uh, sincere and uh, we have to uh, be honest about the, the current situation, but sometimes uh, some people, some uh, organizations exaggerate uh, in the situation because they have own uh, interests. And because I come from this field and from uh, treatment of the problems uh, locally, and sometimes internationally, uh, I think that we do have to work on the solutions, but uh, at the same time uh, not lose hope and say that uh, everything is lost and uh, we are doomed and, and things like that. So do you think, you were saying that you think certain people, even like Al Gore, may have exaggerated the intensity of his claims for interest that uh, well, he uh, had? Maybe it's good because if there are some extreme people... Uh, working on, on a certain direction, uh, the, the final solution is good because you also have extremes to the other side right. not to do anything. So uh, what we achieve is, is more or less a good result or we can achieve better results. But uh, I do believe that certainly uh, on both sides uh, there are extremists that uh, to follow exactly uh, what they preach uh, will not uh, get us to a better situation. But why does I don't understand, I never understand in politics why every side needs to go to the extreme and then just doesn't it make them lose credibility? Wouldn't wouldn't the environmentalist side have more credibility if they just specifically stated the facts and then they could counter the other extremists by saying they're making shit up and our side is being directly evidenced instead of trying to counterbalance it with bullshit on the other side. Yeah, but uh, you present an ideal uh, situation. <laughs> right. And like, uh, it's hard to, to say it, but even coming from the academical uh, side, I can tell you that many researchers, what they want is, despite the research, they want also get more money for the research and more money for the research. And... Uh, you know that every research uh, ends with the idea what to do next, and it's another research. Right. For that, you need the resources. So if uh, you present the situation uh, in a grave uh, position, 
you can build on that the request for, for more assistance. So uh, they, 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 the ideally is not there. It's not the reality. And uh, this is why we have to, to, to see why, on the other hand, you know, you have these like uh, big oil companies and uh, conservatives who, for their own sake, for their uh, maybe better financial situation, wouldn't like to look for alternatives but to preserve the present. Uh, but uh, I think at the end, uh, if, if we are really uh, holding the ideas the way sh- we should is, is that we have good prospects. Uh, also, you have to remember that uh, now uh, the rich countries uh, want the poor countries uh, to contribute uh, also to the preservation of the environment. So uh, the rich countries destroyed uh, many of the resources, and now uh, you cannot ask uh, the poor countries or the developing countries uh, to contribute more from their resources to cover up right. what was done by the rich countries. And like if you uh, compare uh, the situation in Israel to the rest of the world, uh, and when we have to decide in our policy uh, whether we should take care of the global problems or the local issues, we always uh, tell our government but after all, Israel is a small country, and uh, global problems uh, uh, and, and, and what to do about them will be determined by the big countries like China, uh, Indonesia, India, and, 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 and not by Israel. So uh, you have to, to get a good balance uh, between uh, different countries uh, in order to produce uh, good policy. Right, yeah. I think I read recently that there was something they were trying to figure out the amount that smaller countries should contribute, but that they have to contribute something so they have, like, a horse in the game, right? Yeah, definitely. We cannot uh, avoid uh, being involved in, in, in the big, big uh, issues, for example, like uh, warming of the atmosphere and the climate change. Uh, but when you, we look around us and you see the problem of, uh, for example, cleanliness, uh, the treatment of waste, uh, the waste, the treatment of wastewater, the cleanliness of our streams, uh, and if you have, uh, I would say, a small budget, uh, what do you do? Uh, how you allocate the budget for the different uh, goals or the targets that you have in front of you. So every country should get the right balance between the global issues and the local issues and uh, understand that uh, small countries should play their share, but uh, the fate of the world uh, will, after all, be determined by the countries uh, which are uh, most populated and uh, whether we like it or not they have uh, more of the resources right do multinational organizations you, you think play or could play a bigger role in these solutions or do we need to give more power to them like you know like to the UN or to NATO or OPEC or well it depends uh, coming from Israel it's, it's very 
difficult to, to, to answer that because uh, I believe that without uh, international cooperation uh, you can't achieve very much. So this is definitely needed. On the other hand, I think uh, these organizations are greatly influenced by uh, the political situation and, and uh, uh, other uh, maybe sometimes irresponsible uh, interests and therefore the, the outcome uh, is not always uh, the best solution. I mean, OPEC itself, what does it stand for? Oil, oil and Petroleum yeah, Economies? Mean, yeah, but the, you see, OPEC is, is, is about... Uh, OPEC is an organization of the petroleum or the oil-producing countries. Right. Their interest is not the preservation of the environment, right. but, but keeping uh, the prices uh, of uh, petroleum uh, high enough so they can get... Uh, better contribution to their economy. So an uh, organization like an OPEC is not uh, a typical organization that I will choose right. to, to work on environmental issues. Uh, this is quite the opposite. But, uh, like, I mean, I uh, get that, though. I understand why you know countries, if they're thinking short-term, and if they have a lot of oil in their land, would not want the planet to shift off of petroleum even though that is short term thinking because they don't they're ignoring the, the the ruining of the environment but i don't understand when private companies like like you were saying that that only want to maintain their profits they don't shift when it's clear that the world is shifting and that there's a reality of science that is ruining the environment why wouldn't companies want to invest some big chunks of their billions of profits into research for new technologies so they could become the forerunner of that and then make billions more being the, the leader, the first people in, in the new technologies. Well, again, uh, what you say uh, is very idealistic and uh, something that uh, if you ask people in the street, everybody will vote for it. Right. But those big companies... Uh, not necessarily think about uh, their place in history and how they would look at the contribution for the environment. Uh, they look at their immediate uh, money in their pocket. So sometimes they will contribute uh, uh, for doing a search or research for alternatives, but that they will do uh, usually under pressure right. from, from the environment. Uh, so they... Uh, contribute a little uh, in order to be like what we say uh, some green, green, uh, greenwash so that you paint yourself green but actually <laughs> you are not so uh, it's all uh, like, like a big BP a, is doing now uh, yeah BP, Shell, uh, other companies uh, so uh, if you look at their internet uh, websites they all, always uh, like to uh, present their uh, green appearance and what they do for the environment, and some of it is true, but the proportion is uh, very far from uh, the actual needs. Right. What do you think is the biggest challenge or the most immediate challenge or challenges facing the environment globally? Well, it's, it's hard uh, to think about one challenge. Of course, the uh, climate change is a major issue. Uh, I, I also I think the the water situation uh, all over the world is quite severe. If you look to to the poor countries and uh, even the, the countries surrounding us, uh, to 
to get to the situation that everybody on earth will get enough water for his daily life and for his consumption. This is a very important goal. Waste treatment is something which is very, very important globally, not only in the way that we talk about recycling, but also prevention from sickness and the cleanliness and the prevention of sickness and diseases. Uh, as we see now uh, with the Ebola in, in uh, Africa, uh, uh, w- w- what we usually like Ebola is not that bad, by the way. I I got I got a mild case of Ebola. I'm fine. <laughs> that, well, that's good. But but uh, if you are fine, doesn't mean that everybody is fine. And this is just sim- symbolizing uh, the needs. What we usually like to think in my institute is to look at what we call a whole life cycle analysis. Because, for example, if we go to Africa and we teach the farmer to grow more tomatoes in his field and there is no infrastructure to bring those tomatoes to the market, we haven't done very much. So really we have to, to try to look at all the aspects of the environmental situation and for each case to uh, produce the suitable solutions. And make so, sure you're not you're not creating too much waste or it's not wasting water because they don't uh, have good irrigation oh, in the okay, village or okay. whatever. So, so, so again, this is why we have to, to look at the overall situation and uh, the way I look at things is every, every case uh, needs what we call a fact-finding stage so uh, you will not come to a certain uh, issue at a certain place with the solutions uh, before you really studied the local situation and the, and the exact needs and only after you define the needs you come with the solutions mm-hmm. but you think are you optimistic that the world will overcome all of its significant environmental challenges and we're not going to doom the planet or, or do you think there's a good chance we're I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm opt- greed will prevail. Well, I'm optimistic because I think the generations in the future uh, will find the solutions that we may not uh, consider today as uh, adequate solutions. Maybe today we think that uh, several uh, uh, problems uh, are with no uh, solution. In the future, they invent so, so, a vacuum so, that sucks up all the uh, toxins well, in the air. And you see, the, 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 no, it's the, maybe we'll uh, go to live on other planets. Maybe we'll find uh, different solutions in the future. Who, who, th- who thought a uh, uh, hundred years ago about the computers and the internet and the cellular telephones and all that? So, so yeah, uh, true. I believe that uh, ahead of us. Uh, We'll see generations that will, by themselves, uh, find solutions. So, but, but in the meantime, uh, we do have to take uh, major steps uh, in order to get to that stage and not to find ourselves drowning in the problems of today uh, without the necessary time gap right. in order to produce the solutions for the future. Right. Do you think Matthew McConaughey is the man most likely to save us? What's that? Do you know Matthew McConaughey? 
No, the actor. Uh, that, that's that's too much for me. <laughs> no, he's in the movie Interstellar and no, about no, no, no. saving humanity by no, no, moving no. us to another planet. No, no, no. I, I I haven't seen that movie, so I apologize. But, but he's also his own hero. He thinks that he's his own self. Ten years from now, is is who he looks up to. Well, a little self-absorbed. I mean, as a, as a personal uh, ideal, it seems good. But uh, you cannot make decisions ba- based on that. You have to make decisions based on uh, collecting uh, actual data uh, from each situation and base your uh, decision on, uh, on the facts. So you think Matthew McConaughey was going to let us down is your point. You don't I, believe in him. I, I, no, I, first, first I have to study or to, to see the movie. Or, or, He's uh, a great actor. Yeah, but... but he uh, does but, car commercials. Which, uh, just hold on. I, I think I, I don't want to make a mistake. No problem. Uh, going to the airport. Flying back to America is a higher priority than the podcast. I do agree. Just okay. Take your time. I'm going to narrate the scene in the meantime. We're driving. I don't want to lose the way to the airport. No problem. Uh, we're, we're driving from Herzliya towards the airport. Um, and these signs are in a different language, so I don't even know. I can't read them. They're also in English, but the names are words in Hebrew. Beershava, Ashdod, Ramla, and Jaffa, which is just, you know, none of that makes any sense to me. I'm a fairly intelligent person. Uh, oh, Straight ahead, it says Ben Gurion. That's the airport, yeah. Is that right? On the left, and then Jerusalem there. One lane over, maybe. Is that, is that different? The airport on the left. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. It's 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 difficult for me to give you an answer if I didn't see the movie and I. And I I don't know the actor, so uh, I just believe I just believe that he's a very he's got yeah. a lot of potential. Yeah, maybe you are right, but but uh, but I, I can't give you an evaluation. That's fair. Um, so when you worked in the government for Israel, uh, tell me again the story you told me about when you had to sit down during the Palestinian-Israeli peace accords back in what year? Uh, I was uh, working on that uh, from 1995 uh, during the Oslo peace talks uh, until the, I, I left the ministry in the year of 2000 and I wow. was the head of the Israeli uh, subcommittee uh, dealing on the environmental issues between uh, Israel and Palestinians. So you sat down at, at the table with the Palestinians? Of course. And you told me that at first it was very hard to even negotiate at all, right? What yeah, was the story there? Yeah, it's a very difficult process. Uh, uh, we don't have time to, to discuss it, but I, I can tell you that uh, at least uh, from our side, uh, we spoke uh, eye to eye and uh, put all the main problems on the table. And eventually we did, we did get an agreement uh, on that specific issue, which is called uh, Article 12, part of the agreement and some of it was implemented uh, some of it was not implemented until today uh, and I think that uh, if we ever come to a real agreement regarding the environment it will be more or less uh, the same agreement that we made uh, uh, about uh, 20 years ago 
why was it easier to, to reach an agreement on the environment, you think, than the rest of it? Because no. it's less entrenched, it's a newer issue? No, I, I, I think... Because it's less, you know, no. it doesn't go back to biblical times, there weren't really environmental no, issues back no, then? Or? No, because we, I think we all understood, so, so, so that because from between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean, it's uh, one piece of land that no matter uh, what, what we speak about the politics... Uh, if we don't uh, work on preservation of the soil, of the water, the air together, uh, maybe at the end uh, we, will, we, will, we, will, we will reach a peace, but uh, the problems uh, and the uh, solutions will be such that the problems for the environment will be irreversible, right. so nobody would like to live on that land. Right, you get a peace agreement, yeah. it's too late, and it's, too a, late it's a hot earth, earth. Yeah, hell on earth. Yeah. So, so, uh, it's already pretty hot both, here a lot both, of the both, 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 team, both, both teams, the Israeli and the Palestinians, uh, could get uh, positive conclusions uh, if the politicians would uh, refrain, refrain from intervention. But even in the issue of the environment, you told me at the beginning of your negotiations... Yeah, it was, it, it was difficult because... Religious uh, zealotry was yeah, still... Because of uh, the introduction of uh, political, uh, religious... Uh, they said and that. Other, other issues which are not related directly to the environment. Right. And this... Uh, what do they say? That, that even on the, on the environment, God told them they yeah, deserve so, this. So, sometimes when you are in, in the middle of the discussion and, and the opposite uh, team tell you that God told you to ask for this, this and that. Uh, so then we said that there's no point to negotiate. Uh, right. You don't negotiate with God. Right. Uh, but, but later on, uh, both sides understood that they should get away from slogans and uh, uh, attach themselves to, to the real issues. And while uh, doing that, uh, it was uh, possible to, to get uh, progress. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, even today, I still have uh, good contacts with the Palestinians that participated uh, on the talks, and we do we still cooperate uh, despite the very sensitive uh, uh, political uh, situation around us. Do you envision a more general Middle East peace agreement anytime in the near future? Do you, do you think it's even possible with how heated things are? Well, I was very proud in those days for my participation in the process. Now uh, I'm not so sure, and I think the right right thing to do now is not not to look uh, for a a solution, a final solution, but actually to manage the dispute and maybe leave uh, some aspects uh, of the dispute uh, for future generations future generations. It means that we have to reach stability according to uh, maybe the same principles that we uh, had in mind uh, in the Oslo process and not uh, uh, get to the point that everything should be decided today as black and white. Right. So there is a negative uh, point in what I say, because if it's not black and white, uh, nobody sees the end to the dispute. But uh, on the other hand, if 
if this cannot be achieved, the second best is to manage the problem if you know that you cannot solve it in, in the near future. But how would managing it be effective if, the, if it seems to boil over every so often where if you don't have a two-state solution, if you don't have the Palestinians recognizing Israel's right to exist, you don't have Israel giving them a Palestinian state, then how, even if you have temporary solutions, it'll still boil over if there's no overreaching peace agreement? This is why, for example, I say that if, even though we still have problems uh, regarding uh, the fate of Jerusalem, maybe, maybe it's my own dream, we can uh, reach solution today on the water issue or the environmental uh, issues, uh, and maybe the fate of Jerusalem uh, will be decided later on. Uh, after we decide uh, about the, the status quo to, to be in effect for uh, several years to come. Sure. So, but so, so there is a way, maybe, I, I believe that, uh, you know, all the technical uh, committees uh, have in their mind uh, what should be the, the interim solution. It's only the leaders, the politicians who are now uh, uh, preventing us from reaching at this stage of uh, uh, realistic uh, interim solution. Why? Because small moves is not. Yeah, I mean, the, is not impressive I, politically. I, they I, want a big I, agreement I, or, or nothing. I, yeah, I know. I, yeah, I understand that uh, on, on one side the Palestinians are fed up because they don't see their aspirations coming through after so many years. Right. And there are Israeli extremes who are. Uh, or, you know, the, the, the extreme settlers who are preventing the solution. On the other hand, the uh, Palestinian uh, educational system is such that they don't see... It's the security that has stopped us here getting into the airport. We almost drove through the security checkpoint and she freaked out a little bit, the security yeah, lady. She said, I, 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 I thought she said hi. Uh-huh. And she said, no, I didn't say hi. <laughs> I want you to stop and I want to talk to you. Uh-huh. Because she wants me to speak in Hebrew and, and, and therefore she, she cleared everything. Yeah. And she, she asked me, if I want her to repeat her words, I said, yes, repeat your words. I need to understand what you want. So, and she wanted you to speak in Hebrew because she wanted to know that you weren't yeah, potentially sure a terrorist that, coming uh, no, not a to the airport. Not to make sure that everything is okay. Maybe she wanted to show power. Right. So, uh, you can also use it on, the, on your program, but you see that it's a nice day and uh, there is no problem. Yeah, it's a very nice day. Um... It's crazy, man. I just hope that there's some way that, you know, people can realize that even if we have differences in, in what the solution is, it's finding some compromise is better than no solution. It's better than having war after war after war. You're absolutely right, but I think that uh, as an American, it's similar to what I see the American government, but they don't understand... Uh, who are we dealing with and what are their aspirations? Mm-hmm. So because uh, it's not like uh, working uh, on North Carolina. Right. As I told you the joke, uh, 
there is no logic in the Middle East. Right. So uh, it's very difficult, uh, and uh, because the big powers and the United States have the greatest interest in the area, it is very, very, very important that they will really understand the, the environmental here. The environment here, and I don't mean the. Uh, environment of the water environment, right. the soil and the air, but also the, the political situation. The political situation. Yeah, I had I had hope that you know maybe Obama's posture of being more in the middle and not being always so blindly Israel focused was good because it would make the Palestinians realize and think that maybe we have a we have they have more of a fair broker in in the government in the U.S. government finally, but it doesn't seem to have done anything. Yeah, but you see, one of the first moves of Obama was to go to Egypt and praise the Muslim Brotherhood, which uh, I think is uh, unthinkable. Uh, Did he uh, praise the Muslim Brotherhood in, uh, in his speech in Cairo? No. That was before the Muslim Brotherhood was a big issue. No, but, but, but uh, no. Later on, he supported the, the he supported the, the Muslim Brotherhood. But didn't he? And, he and just the, more supported whatever government democratically took over Egypt after the after the government was overthrown. He wasn't saying we we hope it's the Muslim Brotherhood. He was yeah, saying, but, okay, but, that's what the people chose. Okay, but uh, if you believe that this is a democracy, if he, that then uh, I doubt it because. Uh, it's a matter of religion, it's a matter of uh, education, right. and uh, maybe the way this government was chosen looks uh, democratic. Uh, Compared but, to this crazy but, but, but you see, you see what, what is the result of the Arab Spring? Is it really spring? Uh, I think we are now in a very heavy Arab winter. Right. So uh, the American government should, should uh, realize that. And uh, I don't know, maybe Obama went to, to, to Egypt before the, the coup. Right. But, but uh, the way he presented the American policy is uh, in such a way that at least to, to uh, the population here seems to be unacceptable because again, you cannot judge the situation here based on the situation in, in, in North Carolina or in South Dakota, but uh, this is the Middle East. Right, it's a lot more tense. But do you agree with Obama's stance that, that Israel should stop allowing new settlements to be built, that that's counterproductive to the peace process? I, I agree with that. Well, it dep- depends where. In certain areas, uh, I believe so, but uh, on the other hand, I don't see why the Palestinians uh, refrain from coming back to the talks because uh, to, to, to make uh, conditions uh, to the talks... Before uh, the talks, right. Yeah, why not come and say yeah, that that's one of your demands, but I mean, stay at the talks? I, I believe you should continue to talk and talk, to, and talk uh, no matter what happens on the ground because this is the only way to, to reach the solution. So uh, right. at the same time, uh, I don't see why... It, you see, not to not to accept Israel as a, as a Jewish state, at the same time, not allow Jews to live in the in the future Palestinian state. So it should be more flexible on that and get right, to, the, right. to the real issues on the ground. True. And, and, and this way, 
you can accomplish something. Again, I don't think that there is now a situation where you can reach a final uh, solution to the problem. Uh, unfortunately, and it is very unfortunate because uh, there was time when I thought there was going to be real peace. At the present situation, we really have to see how to handle the situation, uh, how to manage it, and, and this is the only way to, to go ahead. Uh, when, you, when you have uh, this, uh, the present situation in Syria, you have the ISIS and all that, uh, I think uh, still uh, Israel is, uh, is an island of democracy. And, it's true. Uh, it's the only... Uh, it's, this is something... And our only real ally in the area, too. Yeah, and I think that... Uh, the existence of Israel is, all, is, in a way, saving a lot of American lives. It's not only an American uh, interest to support Israel because of uh, Israel is Israel, but also it is an American interest. You're saying, you said saying that the other day, right? Because if there was no Israel, then there would be no diffusion of anti-Western sentiments here in the Middle East, and it would come to America faster, it right? Will, it will come one way or the other. It will come, and uh, it's, it's a war between religions, it's a war between societies, and uh, eventually uh, you'll see that uh, there will be a real confrontation mm-hmm. because if you have an organization like ISIS and it is supposed, supported after all by, by millions of Muslims mm-hmm. uh, maybe, I, I mean to, to what kind of a solution you can reach with them but that's why it's important you're saying to have a bastion of true democracy and western yeah, thinking and, in the Middle East yeah, right in the middle. and support the modern countries like uh, Jordan, uh, Saudi Arabia yeah uh, those are also positive areas uh, and, and, and see how to, to work with Egypt and how to work together with them and Israel uh, to preserve a peaceful uh, situation and this way the extreme extremists will see that uh, they're not able to achieve their goals and uh, I think this will bring about a better, a better world. And that's why talk. That's why talking is important. Is so you can talk, talking is important. Never stop talking. That's why I have a podcast. Very good. <laughs> you got to keep the conversation Con- going. Continue, continue to talk, and uh, all the best. Thanks, Malik. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the ride. That was the perfect length. That was the length of the ride. <laughs> now, now, if I hopefully make my. My uh, my uh, connection in Newark, but it's not. But it's not fair. It stop that. No, no, it's going. Stop it. Stop okay, it. okay. It's not fair that we had this discussion on the way to the airport when I'm looking for the, the different. Uh, no, I think that was good. Directions and be, no, it was not. It you clarity. It was my, very coherent. No, my English was lousy. Perfect English. And I, 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 I was searching for words because. Uh, don't worry, other, gonna... Otherwise, I would bring you to I don't know to Amman Airport. No, <laughs> it was perfect. I'm going to have your voice replaced by a hot female model in the States, but at the same point. Exactly. <laughs> this has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.